But how many of you have ever heard of your own personal remedy? Anybody ever had their own little remedy for fixing things? Uh, how many of you have ever heard if we have a sprained ankle, you get a brown uh, poke? Y'all know what a poke is? Okay, a brown bag. If you're from Kentucky, a brown, uh, a brown bag is called a poke, and it doesn't matter. Anyway, P-O-K-L, whatever. But we get my dad, I remember as a kid, he was trying to show up my brother and I how good he was in basketball, and he was shooting, he did a little fadeaway thing off the corner of the, of the ball court, and as he did, he turned his ankle and he sprained it. And I remember him getting vinegar and pouring it in a brown bag and wrapping that brown bag and vinegar around his ankle. You know what it done? It stunk. That's about all it done. Now, to him, he thought it was helping. How many of you all have ever had any home remedies you think can fix things? I'm going to tell you a story that I've told more than once over the last 15 years. Some of you, it will be your first, and I'm not going to encourage you to ever do this, and it's not something I would write a book on. It's not anything that I would tell anybody to go home and do, but it was something that happened to me when I was in high school. I was a freshman in high school. <clears throat> I've been up to Ohio, and I've been at my aunt's house, and I was sitting in her floor, and back in those days, a lot of people sewed and crocheted and knitted, that kind of thing. Well, there was a needle in the floor. And I put my foot down, raked my foot back, and some stuck me in the bottom of my foot. How many of you have ever heard this story? Guess what? You get it again, all right? So I had this needle. I didn't know what it was at first. It just stuck, and it kind of hurt. And I looked in the bottom of my foot, and there was this little round dark spot. And I thought, what is that? I said, I must have broke something off of my foot. So I did as any man would do. I got some fingernail clippers, and I started cutting the skin all around it, trying to get a hold of it. And I could get it, but every time I would mess with it, it would go deeper and it just started crawling up in my foot and I couldn't get it out and then by this time I've got a big old hole around it a sore spot and so here I'm hobbling around and my mom thought he's being melodramatic kind of like it doesn't matter anyway kind of dramatic and <clears throat> she goes ah, I ain't that bad so I went ahead and went the whole weekend and at church Sunday some one of the little ladies in the church I told her what had happened she goes I'll tell you what you do you go get your big th- thick piece of bacon and put it on that right there let me talk like they did you get your big old slap, thick old piece of bacon and put it on that there place where you got it all raw, and you put your sock over it, and you get that sock over it, and you let that bacon sit there a couple of days, and it draw that right out of your foot. Will it really? Well, yeah. Well, that sounded great to me. So I went home after church, got me a big piece of bacon, stuck it on the bottom of my foot, put a sock on, and I walked around for a day and a half with a slab of bacon on the bottom of my foot. I had a ball game that Monday night after school and, and my freshman year, and and had a ball game, so I remember going through the game, and coach had me go in, and, and I was hobbling to bed. He goes, well, I just go over and sit down. you got to get that seen. So Tuesday morning, I get up and go to the doctor, and, and Dr. Griffin, he goes, oh, meet me over at the yard. And he goes over there, and he looks in, takes x-ray. Yeah, you got about this much of a needle up in there. And, and so he's getting ready to do it, and I'm kind of paranoid. I don't think I've ever noticed I get antsy kind of easy sometime, and I did have a Mountain Dew this morning, so if I get a little more antsy, just you know, pray for me or whatever. So uh, that particular day, I was really nervous about going to the yard ER because they were talking about having to cut it out. Well, if you start saying you're going to cut something out of me, I'm, dude, I'm frantic. I'm a freshman. I'm a real he-man, 15 years old. And, and he gets me on the table, and the doctor, another physician, walks in. and goes, what's going on, Dr. Griffin? He goes, well, I've got a broken needle on the foot. And, and that doctor goes, happy hunting. Well, I wasn't real smart, and I'm still not brilliant, but I knew if it meant happy hunting to a physician, that means it's going to be hard to find. Luckily for me, the doctor made one cut, found it in there, and he put this thing in and started pulling the needle out. I told you all that, and finally got it out, and I was a big he-man. I got it way better. The problem was this. Many times, instead of dealing with real issues in our life, we try to remedy it. We try to fix it ourselves. We want to fix it ourselves. We want to remedy it. We want to, have you ever heard a term nowadays called self-medicating? 
You know how many people self-medicate because they think they can fix yourself through medication? There's a pill for this, there's a pill for that, and I'm going to be speaking on that this morning. But I do want to talk to you about trying to self-medicate or self-remedy yourself because you can't. There's a scripture in the book of John, it's verse 16, and it says this, For God so, let's do it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever John 3.17 says, let's say it together, for God, that's what I thought, for God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world not to condemn it, but to what? There was something about Jesus, he came to deliver and, and not to condemn us. And so this message this morning is not about condemnation, but it's the reality of things that we battle, things that we struggle with. I'll get into you. Some of you will say, well, this is not how you started Wednesday, and it isn't because I'm reversing the order. But in a few minutes, we're going to begin to see some things that could have been different. How can you and I avoid detours? How can you and I avoid train wrecks? How many of you have ever watched somebody and you see the direction you're going? I can't tell you how many times my wife and I have been watching a scenario take place, and and I'll say, we're about to see a train wreck. We're about to see something devastating because they will not pay attention and they will not try to correct the issues that's going on in their life. Uh, uh, Flat tires, uh, flight delays in life. Two weeks ago I spoke on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life and how He functions. I'm just going to say this to every believer. Whether you've ever been filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit or not, it's not the issue this morning. But if you've ever been born again, there is a role and a position that the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life if we will allow it. How many of us have ever had our parents try to tell us not to go a certain way or do a certain thing so we could avoid a lot of headaches, and sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't? There is a present help always in the life of every believer if we will listen. So how do I avoid flat tires and wrecks and train derailments and everything else in life that can go wrong? Learn to pay attention. And I'd like you to go to the book of John and chapter 16. And we're going to read just a few verses about who the Holy Spirit is. Often when we hear the term the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, we think of one thing. And we only think of the baptism, the gift of of speaking in other tongues. And nothing can be farther from the truth about who He is. That is part of His dynamics. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life is to bring direction and prevent train wrecks, to prevent catastrophes. He is there to do something in our life so we will stop trying to self-medicate and self-fix ourselves. John chapter 16 and verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and the righteousness of sin. Let me tell you for just a minute. We all have a sin issue. It may not be as common. It may not be as big a deal as it used to be. I believe that you can go for a month without sinning. I really do. I believe you can go several days without committing a sin. Does that mean you're holy and just like him? No. But I do think there's attributes about us as we grow and we listen to the Holy Spirit. We don't have to fail every day. We don't have to mess up every day. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, man, you sin every day. Do you really? Then something is missing if you're continuing to sin every day. There should be a little victory happening that you're learning to overcome some things. So he is going to convict us. He's going to convict the world and us of righteousness, verse, uh, verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and see me no, and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. 
Someone sent me a passage, and I'm sorry, I, I forgot to respond to them, and it just hit me this week, and I'll, I'll send you something after church. Verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13 says this, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. How critical is this passage in your life? And I want, you to, I want your attention. I don't care if you're Baptist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Catholic. This, this has nothing to do with denomination. This has to do with the purpose of the Holy Spirit in my life and yours. So how do I avoid sin? How do I f- avoid these train wrecks? How do I avoid these derailments in my life? Learning to pay attention. I want you to go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 30. Such a profound passage. Such an awesome passage that goes with the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 30. Does everybody have your Bible with you this morning? Is there any males in here that's under 30 years of age that you have your Bible with you this morning? A man who has his paper Bible, not iPhone, not iPad, not not tablet. You have a Bible in your hand and you're under 30. Have you ever given you a hat before, Seth? Huh? Guess what? It's your lucky day. Man, I've been saving this hat for a special day. I don't know if anybody's really following Mizzou anymore in basketball. They were supposed to be like top five, and they're like top 40 or something. I don't know. You can pass that down. Now, you may think that's paying people off, and you're exactly right. It is. I like to pay people off to do what's right. And so, anyway, so we go to the book of Isaiah in chapter 30. Thank you, Seth, for having your word with you. I encourage you to have it, learn it, write in it, make notes, pay attention to what it says. Chapter 30 and verse 20 says this. And, the Lord, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, stop here for a minute. Although you have problems, although you have issues, although you have temptations, and how many of us do? Every one of us. How many of you have ever got angry right behind some idiot? Or some, okay, wait a minute. How many of you have ever driven behind somebody that doesn't know how to drive? How many of us? How many of us have ever been the one? Yes, that's exactly right. The Lord just confirmed that one. Did you catch that? Oh, Lord, help me. All right, so here we have um, verse 30. Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see thy teachers. Verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. You shall defile also the covering of any graven images of silver, of any ornament of thy molten images of gold. Thou shalt cast them away as a minstrel cloth, and thou shalt say unto it, Get thee hence. I want to focus on verse 21. He deals, first of all, that you're going to be taught. You may have adversity, you may have affliction, you may have problems, but if you'll listen with your ears, there'll be a voice behind you that says, This is the way to walk. And I've thought about that so often. How many of y'all have ever seen the movie Dragonfly? Anybody seen it with Kevin Costner? Man, is that not a tearjerker, kind of scary tearjerker? I don't like scary movies at all. But if you, I mean, okay, just watch it and get your own story on it. I'll tell you mine later. So we have this scenario here going on in our life. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Kevin Coster keeps having things happen, trying to get him to go to a waterfall to find a baby he didn't even know was born that was his from his wife who died doing Red Cross work. And there was this little subliminal, sub, subtle things that kept happening. And, and that isn't how God always does it. But, but he does send people in our lives to give us a warning, to give us a direction. And he'll begin to speak to you in a still, small voice. 
Although we may face adversities, troubles, sickness, challenges, we will see the things without restraint. We can see them. A voice calling, a conviction, a tug. By listening to the Holy Spirit. Now let me stop here for a minute. How many of you ever said, Father, I need your help. Father, I need your grace. I need your mercy. Have you? Yeah, I probably have. How many of you ever said, Jesus, in the time of trouble, Jesus, I don't understand this. Jesus, I need you. Now let's bring it up to current day in which we live when Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send you another comforter, another helper, another warner, another director. And I'm not touching nothing. I'm not even, it's just, just happening. So I'm going to do it like this. And so Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to send somebody in. It's the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit came to do what? To lead and guide us into all truth, but also to speak to the hearts of a believer. The reason we're addressing the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and if we'll learn to hear His voice, we will not be anymore saying the words I'm about to read to you. Now, this is where I started Wednesday night. Wednesday night in here, and I felt like we had an awesome class on Wednesday night. I felt like there were some things that really came forth that, that were relevant to us in our walk. How many of us have ever said, I wish I would have, ba 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 ba? I wish I could have, ba ba ba. Oh, I have regrets. I have regrets. I regret that I didn't spend more time or, or spend more effort or spend more money or spend more time in prayer or spend more time, whatever. If I could do this over, this is what I would do. Hindsight is 2020. And isn't it amazing that every one of us in this room who have said those comments still try to operate on the, on the, on the idea of insanity. You know what insanity is? You've all heard it. We said it was Wednesday night. If you keep doing the same thing, we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over. For 40 years and 50 years, we're doing the same thing, and we expect it to change or get better, and it cannot because we failed to listen. When we begin to listen, everything changes. This is not a condemning message. This is a John 3.17 message. For I came not into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I did not come here this morning to condemn anybody, but to bring some hope. That you can't avoid this. This can be different. But friend, you're going to have to quit depending on my self-will. And if you're, if you're a man at all, a lot of us men, we have this image. You know, I can handle this. You know, you may be bigger. You may beat me down. But I can handle this. I don't have to tell nobody. I can deal with it on my own. Well, I'm just here to tell you, there are some things that are spiritual, and you cannot handle them on your own. You may think, well, I'm doing this. This is a physical thing. No, it comes from a spiritual issue. There's a reason why something else is going on there and oppressing you in this. And we'll go back into Scripture. We'll find a man who lived this lifestyle. It's in 2 Samuel 14. 2 Samuel 14. You can be a man after God's own heart and still get distracted. You can be a man after God's own heart and still get messed up. You can be a man after God's own heart and allow things in there if you would have paid attention I'm going to jump ahead of this for a minute. If David would have listened, he would not have stayed on the rooftop. If he would have listened, if you and I would have listened, we wouldn't have had the scenario happen in our life that happened. Things would not have happened. I can tell you from everybody in our family that's had failures, if they would have listened, it would have been avoided. It would have never happened. Chapter 14 and verse 21. And the king said unto Joab, Behold, now I have done this thing. Go, therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. Now, for some of you, you may not know who Absalom was. 
Absalom was David's son. David was the king. Joab was, was his right-hand man. It was the king's right-hand man. And he said, Joab, go get Absalom. Let's jump down a couple of verses. Let's go to verse 23. So Joab arose, and he went to Geshur, and he brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, let him turn into his own house, and let him not see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, and he saw not the king's face. Let me ask you a question. Verse 25. But in all of Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. And when he pulled his hair every year at a certain time, for, because it was so much, he would cut it off and it weighed about seven pounds. Verse 27. And then to Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar, and she was a woman of fair countenance. You may wonder why that's unique, and you can get that some other time, but while well, he came to Jerusalem because his father told him to, the father still refused to send him. And did you know that you and I are exactly like David sometimes? We have an issue with someone, we have an issue about something, and it's in our life, and it has been there for years. And we know about it, and we'll recognize that it's still there, but we never talk about it, and we never deal with it. We never get to the truth of the matter. Why is it that David was avoiding his son? What was going on that was so bad that he didn't even want to see him? You can go a little later in the same chapter, verse 20, 28 through 33, and you see that Absalom said, told his servants, go burn the field of Joab. Joab was the closest thing to his father. Go burn his fields, and then he'll get me to see my dad. Look at verse 33. So Joab came to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king, and he bowed himself, bowed on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. What's wrong with this picture? It should have never been the kid kid trying to restore what the father could restore. You're an adult. You're a man. You're a woman. And there are times in our life that we have to do what's uncomfortable and do what's hard to get to the bottom of things and get to truth. Because if not, you'll be living in disarray your whole life. How critical is it in our lives that we get honest with ourselves and we get honest with the Lord? You see, when we begin to hear his voice and he begins to say, you need to take care of this. You need to address this. You need to forgive. You need to embrace. You need to restore. And you keep saying, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. They're idiots. They're scum. They stole from me. They hurt me. They abused me. Whatever. And you keep going through the same justification. There is no justification. It has to be dealt with at some point or you will be as David. Let me tell you what happens to people that never get to the bottom of your issues. Someday you're going to live a life. You're going to finish with regret. And there is nothing any worse than ending with regret. You know, you all know that uh, I lost my father when I was 25, and his influence in my life was huge. He's just an amazing guy. And uh, I'm just going to jump down a little farther. Let's just, I'm going to jump ahead. Go over to uh, go to Judges 16, chapter 16. I'm sorry. i got to get my thoughts back together. Have the family first. Oh, go to chapter 18, wrong book. Go to chapter 18 of 2 Samuel. I'm going to tie this together. Let me tell you what happens whenever you don't deal with things the way they should. Chapter 18 and verse uh, 14. It says, And then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand, and he thrust them through the heart of Absalom, while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak tree. And the ten young men that bared Joab's armor compassed about him, and they smote Absalom. And they slew him. I don't know the details, but it was gruesome. 
And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab had held back the people. And they took Absalom, and they cast him into a great pit in the wood, and they laid a great heap of stones upon him, and Israel fled every one to his tent. I'm going to stop here for a minute, because it didn't have to end this way. Because there was a boy who wanted to be re- restored with his father. There was a boy who loved his dad, but the father would not love his own son. You see the dynamics here that can begin to happen in our lives? Things should be restored because if we don't listen, they never will. Look at the last verse of that chapter, verse 31, verse 33. And the king was much moved and went up into the chamber over the gate, and he wept and he went. And thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, I would God I had died for thee, Absalom, my son. You know what I think about that? He regrets it because now it's too late to fix it. And do you know that some of us, I've mentioned my father. When my father died, I was extremely close. I didn't have any regrets. We were not at odds. And that was probably the greatest gift that I had when he was killed, that him and I were in right relationship. But friend, you as a believer tonight, have got, this morning, have got some things possibly in your life that are contraries, that are aff- affecting you in a way that is not positive. And it's something that's always holding you back from being who you should be. I'd like you to go to the book of Judges, if you would. Judges chapter 16. I asked this question, I think, Wednesday night. How many of you men have ever made your wife mad? Why is it always funny? Let me ask you this. Why is it always funny when you ask a guy, have you ever made your wife mad? He looks at you like, are you stupid? Dude, really? How many of you women have ever made your husband mad? See how quiet that was? Completely different. Because wives are always right, and the men are always, there you go. All right. That's not always true either. But anyway, let's go to Judges. I don't, please don't, don't hate me after this one. So go to Judges 16, and verse 20 says, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He woke out of his sleep, and he said, I will go out as other times and shake myself. And he did not know the Lord was departed from me. But the Philistines, Philistines took him and put out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza, and they bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Verse 22, Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again. The thing that's so important about that passage is that Samson had one more chance. One more chance to redeem himself. And you're here this morning because you've neglected or put it off or whatever it is. And it isn't everybody, but there's some for instances of things that that maybe you don't want to deal with or you don't want to acknowledge. But the thing that happened to Samson was the very thing that got him in trouble was his eyes. And the very thing that the enemy takes is his eyes. So let's think about us for a minute. Whatever's going on in our life, whatever is not the way it should be, it can be a relationship, it can be something personal. So why did he tolerate Delilah? Because he thought he would never get caught or he thought it would never go that bad, and he continued with her. I want to go one more place in this passage, and it's the last part of this, and it's verse 31. Then his brethren and the house of his father came down, and they took him, and they brought him up, and they buried him between Zorah and Eshtael in the burying place of Manoah, his father, and he judged Israel for 20 years. This is where we're going to finish. What did the family say when they went and picked up the body of Samson? 
He was good looking. He could whip anybody. He could pick up two or 3,000 pounds and carry it on his back. He could kill 1,000 dudes in one day and him live. He had all this ability. And I can just imagine the mom and the dad and the brother saying, man, if he just would have listened, if he just would have listened, if he would have just come clean on the junk in his life, it, it could, didn't have to end this way. You know how many times I've done funerals and those are exact words I've heard from people? It did not have to end like this. And for some reason, we believe a lie that whatever's went on is always going to be. And friends, that is the farthest thing from the truth. And the reason it doesn't have to be is what we read first in John 16. I will send you another comforter. And he will lead you and he will guide you into all truth. He's not to be afraid of. He's not to be intimidated by. He is here to help you. He is here to encourage you. He is here to bring things to our attention. Does that make sense? We don't have to end up in a relationship like David and Absalom. And if you're in that, friend, you've got you've to be the one that steps up. You do. If you're the scenario like Absalom and you're involved in things that he had no business being involved in, then, friend, you've got to be the one that makes the change. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to end. It's going to end. You're going to look at it and say, oh, I wish I would have. I wish I would have. I wish I could have. I wish I had. And I regret not. How critical is it that we get honest between us and him? tell you this and it's a, I won't read my scripture but uh, in 2nd Samuel chapter 11 we had a scenario with David and David was the king of Israel the same guy who ignored his son um, he had a scenario that he had normally went out to battle at this particular time he didn't go out to fight and he stayed home and when he was home he he was up on his rooftop one night I made reference to a while ago and he looked out and the neighbor woman was up there and she was taking a bath in the dark or in, in the moonlight I guess you could say and he began to watch her and and as he thought how beautiful she was and how well she was made or whatever the details were, he began to lust after her. And he thought, well, I'm the king. I can do what I want. And you know how many times I've heard that from people over the years? I'll do what I want. One of the most damning things you can do in your life is when you start saying, I'll do what I want. So he began to think, I'll do what I want. So he had Bathsheba brought, brought to his castle. We had relations. He sent her back home. Her husband's still out at war fighting for David and his country. Son comes, the husband, David gets word that she's pregnant. So he sends for Uriah. He says, have Uriah come home and, and go home and be with his wife and, and just have relations with her, and I'll have a dinner for him and send him on home. Then he can go back to battle. Well, when Uriah came home, he wouldn't go home. He stayed and slept on the palace steps. There's a whole lot to this, but here's the deal. The problem with not ever getting honest with yourself and not addressing issues in your own life is that some, at some point your conscience will get seared. Because you've justified it so long, you've done it so long, you think it's part of who you are. Friend, this message is a warning to every one of us, front to back, side to side. It is so critical that we listen to the Holy Spirit when he says, move, move. He says, do this, do this. Avoid this, avoid it. Pay attention, pay attention. Because he desires to prosper you. He desires that your life is prospered, that your relationships are prospered, that your kids are prospered. Are you? Am I killing you? We're going to pray. So what we're going to do this morning, I thought of different ways to do it, but we're going to have people come to the altar. And you may think, well, I'm not about to go up there, friend. You need to. 
And uh, what we're going to do is everybody comes up, and I'm going to come down. I'm going to have my wife come up, and we're going to join hands. Everyone that comes up, and we're going to hold hands, and we're going to pray. If you have an issue or you have a battle or you have something in your family needs prayed about and agreed upon, friend, it has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. Absalom's in town. We need to address the issue of why he's still here. Don't wait until he's gone to live with regrets. Address it now. So they're going to begin to play. They're going to sing. And if there's things going on, and this is the thing, often we think well, it's always horrible. It isn't always horrible. It's a reality. And one other thing, do you think there is one family in this place that is perfect? None. But everybody's responsible. And if you and I do not become extremely responsible in this conviction and this words that God speaks to us, then we're in huge trouble. It's never going to change.